0: But I think for me also hitting 50 was, okay, my life is definitely more than half over now. Yeah. I am I am making this next bit like, <laughs> yeah. great. It's going to be so much greater than the bit that's come before. And, yeah. and that's what's driven me on. Hey, Midlife Ladies. This is the
1: Dear Midlife Podcast. Unapologetic girl talk that will help you remember who you are and figure out who in the hell you want to become. I'm Shelby Bybee, karaoke party queen, single mom, and an extrovert to a fault.
2: And I'm Trinity Greenfield, a wild haired woman full of sass, sparkle, and a heavy dose of black girl
1: magic. So grab a glass and let's dive into the messy middle. So our next guest was under so much stress and pressure that it actually caused her to lose her eyesight. That is some
2: shit. That is serious stress and pressure. Yeah. But you know what? We all do it. And as women, we put everyone else's priorities ahead of our own. Our needs are always the very, very last to be
1: fulfilled. Always. Always. If at all, right? And to our listener out there, we've said this before and we'll say it again. Stress and trauma can live in your body and cause you all kinds of ailments. Mm -hmm. And in this case, childhood trauma and a hectic career as a lawyer threatened to permanently blind our guest, Philippa Robinson.
2: Philippa studied law at university and she spent most of her career exploring the UK subconsciously seeking Mm. quote unquote home. Right. I know I have personally always felt that way. Mm -hmm. And she thought she'd found home when she settled into her busy law career and her home life in which her hubby and her two boys and Bob the dog became her (laughs) critical priorities. But it really wasn't until life tapped her on the shoulder and said, hey, hey, boo, um, it's time (laughs) that you took a break and stop living your life. To serve
1: everybody else, amen. I mean, girl, if you out there, we know you out there. We know, we know, and you know, we you know you have out there to. Too. Mm-hmm. Yes, stop living our life for everybody else. And so yeah. this took Philippa on a on a journey, and during her own personal transformation, she was able to heal her childhood trauma, and learn to love and live for herself. And she arrived at her soul's mission to guide people to be the truest versions of themselves, because that is the greatest gift that we can give to ourselves as women.
2: Right, and you know, Philippa's message is that, hey, she was 47 years old when she started this. And so here's what we want you all to know. It is never too late. You are never too old. Mm -mm. And there's no quick fix,
1: but whatever time it takes, the fix Is worth it. A hundred percent. So girl, understand that your past is most likely affecting how you behave now. That small wounded part of you needs healing. So work out what they needed then and how to give it to them. That wounded child inside. Give them what they need now. Yeah. Pull that inner child close. Love them and your life. Will truly change. And in this case, it resolved the blindness that Philippa was experiencing when she learned to love herself. So girl, there is freedom and joy on the other side of healing your wounds. And if you are looking for the same kind of freedom and joy, leave us a review and share this podcast because I found Philippa's healing process so profound. And without further ado, let's welcome our guest, Philippa Robinson. Philippa, thank you so much for being here. Oh,
0: you're so welcome. It's a real pleasure to be here. Thank you
1: for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to have this conversation. (laughs) And I want to jump into your story a little bit because one of the things that you shared with us is that you actually studied law at a university, but you realized at some point that you were always subconsciously seeking home. Tell us a little bit about that statement and what it means to you.
0: Yeah. So um, a lot of what I'm going to say in this conversation is with the benefit of hindsight. Mm, yeah, <laughs> I sure. didn't, you know, at 2020. exactly. So at the time, <laughs> I I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew. So this was all through my 20s, um, you know, which are a confusing decade anyway. I I think the pressure is on to sort of get it right. Yeah. Um, You know, quotes, right. Right. Um, (laughs) And um, I I had a series of, yes, I went into law. I went into the law because I didn't know what else to do. Never intended to be a lawyer. Hmm. But anyway, I got my law degree. Went to, got a a great job in a big London law firm, went and started working there. And then every 18 months, two years or so, I would move. I would move Hmm. jobs because I kept thinking, this is not the right job. This is not the right job. So I'd go somewhere else and I'd go somewhere else. And, you know, I kind of knew eventually that I was probably I was either seeking something or running away from something. Mm. And I wasn't quite sure what I was doing. Mm. But but now I realize that I was searching for. I was searching for a place that would feel home, yeah, feel like home that could be my home because I mm-hmm. grew up in a very chaotic, mm. you know, my childhood was very chaotic, quite a lot of childhood trauma. So mm. I was really, really seeking that, um, you know, that place of acceptance and love and cozy warmth and just wanting to feel something that I felt that I wanted, but I'd never really had. So that's what I mean. When I say I was searching um, for home, that's what I mean.
1: Yeah, so that's interesting. Um I actually was pre-law in university. Okay. But then um as my mother puts it, I was abducted by the band of gypsies and I actually <laughs> I didn't go, go a- into a profession mm. of law, but in similar fashion, I actually did start touring with an international performing cast and we were traveling around the world from city to city and in some respects equally looking to find myself. So yeah. I'm curious uh when you how, what was it that brought you to this realization that that's what you were looking for? And how did you then progress from there?
0: Well, what brought me to the realization was a massive breakdown and a lot of Ah. therapy. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, I was still a, you know, I was age 47, um, really angry, but no idea what I was angry Ah. about. And, um, you know, I'd done all the things that I thought I should do, all the things Mm -hmm. society tells me that I should do. I'd got a good job. I got a husband. I'd got, you know, two boys. I'd even got the dog, you know, um, (laughs) Bob the dog. I love that. (laughs) Bob the dog. Yeah. So, you know, I, I I should be happy, shouldn't I? Yeah. But I wasn't. And that, and the guilt on top of the anger on top of, you know, um, uh, on top of having buried all my feelings for so mm-hmm. long, I didn't know that's what I was doing, but having mm-hmm. buried it for so long, um, I it just all came exploding out um, on the back of me, realising that I had some serious problem with my sight and there was actually a real risk that I would lose my sight. Oh, wow! And I I started to crumble really because I realised that I had built my life, my worth was all tied up on being useful and being helpful and when my life as I knew it was sort of crumbling I I I just didn't know what to do I really did not know what to do what my life was going to look like how I was going to carry on Mm -hmm. Um, and I'd spent a lot of time being in control because when you come from chaos, you know, Mm. which I did, I came from chaos, control is what helped me feel safe.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, And I'd I'd lost all that control because this thing that was happening to my eye, I couldn't do anything about it. And I was in the hands of other people. They didn't actually know what was going on. The doctors Mm. didn't know what was going on to start off with. They told me the damage was permanent. It might get worse. Mm. And I realized quite early on in the process in the medical process that that went around my eyes that i needed i really needed some help and i finally got to that stage of thinking i had nothing to lose so i'd go and find a therapist because i really really needed to do something about it
1: yeah and so help me understand is the issue with your eye is that related to some of the stresses that have been exacerbated through life with all of this trauma that you've just kept inside and buried well
0: medically nobody will say that to me right. but i believe i i believe that that um my the, the very first session with my therapist she said oh now i wonder what it is you don't want to see oh. uh, <laughs> and uh i was like oh okay what is it i don't want to see and actually when i dug deep i could there were lots of things i didn't want to see so i kind of knew the answer to that yeah. the more i delved into childhood trauma, you know, constant stress, you know, the effects that uh, cortisol and adrenaline will have on your body, being in, you know, constant uh, fight, flight, or freeze, uh, trauma response, all those things, then realizing after all this, that I'm highly sensitive, which will have heightened my reaction to all those things. Mm -hmm. I, I very definitely believe in my heart that my body was fed up of me not listening to any of the messages, any of the signals that it had given me before to slow down, to treat myself better. Mm-hmm. Um, so it gave me something that I couldn't ignore.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This was life's, the universe way of yeah. sending you that message. Wow. Giving me a proper kick up the butt and telling me <laughs> to um, think changes that are needed. We all need that sometimes. And I, so I want to just focus in on you have, I think so beautifully articulated, what led me on my own journey, right? I think many women in midlife get to this point where they feel stuck. And to your point, you felt like you had done all the right things, the husband, the dog, the, the successful law career, and yet you still felt unfulfilled. And so you know you had a sign from the universe in the form of your issue with your eyesight a lot of women don't maybe always get that or they're maybe not in, in tune enough with their body to get the signal but when we suddenly come to this realization and we have this aha moment that i have to do something differently tell us a little bit about what you you said you've found a therapist but i would love to unpack your story a little bit and really understand what it was that you did to heal from this childhood trauma, because I think that is so crucial to why so many women get stuck in midlife. It's this negative narrative that we have going on in our brains that are driving these feelings of, I have to be in control. Maybe these feelings of unworthiness or I will never be loved or I can never be successful. So help us understand how that played itself out in your life and what you did about it. Yeah. Gosh,
0: that's a big, big question. So I'll do my, I'll I'll do, I'll, I'll, and there's a big (laughs) answer. So I'll, I'll do my best. I, I suppose going to therapy for me was a, was a moment of surrender, really. It was a moment of, okay, I'm going to have to look at this now. So because I said to my husband, I am so appalling to live with. I knew I was, I was angry. I was just horrible. And I didn't want my children to grow up in that environment because I'd grown up in an environment similar, different, but you you know, and I didn't want that for them. Mm -hmm. So I said to him one day, I'm going to have to go to therapy or I'm going to have to leave. Yeah. You know, and I realized at that moment that that is the way I was feeling, that I had to do something about it. So I suppose I surrendered. I went to therapy, prepared to do what it took. Mm. And I didn't. I I, I, I laugh now because I thought maybe I'd need six sessions or something. Um, <laughs> uh so she realized that I was a real flight risk because yeah. you know we had to take it slowly and I might not stick around. But she got me to agree I'd stay for six weeks, mm-hmm. then I stayed for six months, then I stayed for wow. three years in the end. And in the middle of that, I did a counselling foundation course, which is all about looking at your own stuff. So I was on, you know, doing therapy with steroids sort of thing. You know, I packed about five years worth cool. of therapy in, I think. So in my very first session, she said to me, me having told her a little bit about what had gone on at home, and she said, you know that is not okay, don't you? You know that that is not what, in an ideal world, children would grow up in that Mm -hmm. situation. And that was the first time that I'd actually heard somebody else say to me that that wasn't okay. Mm -hmm. And that kind of felt like it validated my yeah." feelings because up until that stage I'd always felt unloved unlovable mm-hmm. and completely broken like yeah. uh, whatever it is that it takes to live in this world and be somebody who is happy mm-hmm. and has people who love them and who they love I just couldn't I I didn't know what that was and I whatever it took I didn't have it is how I felt so I grew up in a, a my mother was an alcoholic
1: mm.
0: and my dad left when I was about six they they split up and left and he he just left mm. well he was sort of drummed out of town really but um he left my mum uh, remarried reasonably quickly and had more children and I just never felt safe I never felt wanted I never felt seen you know so I very quickly at home learned to be the good girl, Mm -hmm. learned to try and please everybody. So I put myself right at the bottom of the pile. Mm. In fact, I didn't matter. As long as I could make everybody else happy Mm. or try and make everybody happy, then maybe I would be allowed to stay is how I felt. I didn't know where else I would go,
2: Mm.
0: but I felt that if I wasn't a good girl, I didn't have a place in that, in that home with my mum and my stepdad and my brothers. And that just really stayed with me. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I, you know, I didn't go out much as a teenager. I had to come straight home from school and look after the kids and do all the things that maybe my mum perhaps should have, Mm -hmm. with hindsight, should have been doing, but wasn't. Uh, You know, the minute I came home from school, she went out and I just had to look after them. Mm -hmm. So 18, get to 18, go off to university and think, phew, that's all behind me. I can, I I can just get on with my life now. Mm -hmm. The only trouble is I wasn't really equipped with the skills to go to university and be confident enough Mm -hmm. to, to enjoy it, to make proper relationships, to trust people, to, you know, to enjoy it. So Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't awful. Don't get me wrong. You know, it wasn't awful, but it wasn't brilliant. Mm -hmm. And then, and then the same again, when I get to the big law firm in London and I just worked really hard. I worked all hours because the people pleasing and the perfect, the perfectionism as well, you know, I wanted to be the best that I could be because then nobody could criticize me and nobody could kick me out.
1: Yeah. And I'm, I was going to say, I'm sure those feelings from childhood Manifested themselves in those roles. You, you felt like you had to overperform, or just like you felt as a child, you had no place.
0: Yeah, and and they stayed with me all the way through yeah. until I had my breakdown at forty-seven. That's like you know, even when I you know met my now husband, I was trying to be, even and being a mother, I was trying to be the best mother I could be, as well as you know being the best lawyer I could be at the time, the best wife, the best homekeeper, the best, yog mom, yeah. you know, the best everything, yeah. and it's exhausting.
1: It's exactly. So I was
0: so tired all the time, and um, there was no
1: joy. No, yeah, that's just completely unsustainable. So, walk us through what are some of the techniques that either you use with now your clients, or that those therapists use with you to help you alleviate this feeling of inadequacy and help you help set you on a better path.
0: Yeah. So with my therapist, a lot of it was looking back over the things that had Mm. happened in the past and feeling the feelings that I never allowed myself to feel. That was a a huge thing. It's almost like I was cut off at the neck, really. I didn't feel anything. Yeah, I definitely didn't feel uh, any of my feelings. And so learning to do that was a big thing now I'm all feelings yeah yeah (laughs) you know so uh so they were there they were ready to come out so that's a lot of what my therapy was about really and then when I left therapy it was like okay that was great life-changing absolutely Mm -hmm. brilliant but now what now what do I do how how do I be in the world now I am not under this layer of childhood trauma it yeah. felt like a massive weight had been lifted off but then I wasn't sure how to function in the world then mm-hmm. so the first thing I had to learn was what what do I like doing ah. what like light, what lights me up what do I need to do for my self-care mm-hmm. to to help me not be exhausted all the time to put me in a good place to put me feeling so great that I can notice those little moments of joy every day. Cause that's what gets us through those little moments of joy. So I, when, when my therapist said to me, so what do you like to do for yourself? I just have no idea. <laughs> I literally had no idea. Right. I, I, you know, I don't want to sound like I was a martyr about it, but I, I just had no idea cause I didn't do anything for me. So learning, Learning those things, what did I like doing? What did I enjoy doing? And learning that it was okay to Mm. take time for me to do those things has been massively important in my journey. And nearly every person I work with, Mm -hmm. every woman I work with, they're the same things because, you know, I'm, I'm not the only one who puts myself at the bottom of the pile. I mean, it's a real a real thing. That's kind of what we're told we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be nurturing and, and loving and do everything for everybody else. But do you know what? We matter every bit as much.
1: Yes, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. I think that there is a like a societal narrative even too. I mean, despite the narratives that we have going on in our head, we are conditioned through society that we are required to, yes, put everyone else before us. And so it is sort of an awakening when we realize that we actually do matter. So I have two things that are weighing on my mind. So one, I would love to know, and we'll start here. What was your process for figuring out what brings you joy? Because I think a lot of women actually really are in those same shoes that you were in not so long ago. And we really struggle with just figuring it out and finding what we're passionate about and finding what brings us joy. How did you go about that? Yeah, it's tricky. It,
0: it, and it, it's funny because that sounds like it should be a simple question. Right. But, like, oh like, I mean, like it is a simple, like is that, a simple right. question, but it's not a simple answer. It's not um, I, It
1: can be simple, but not easy sometimes, yeah, I think. Yeah. 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 Um
0: I I I suppose I had to have a good long look at, at at what is it that um, you know, if I could just go and do anything now, what was it? And the, and the weird thing yeah. is, what the things that I went I, I went and did. First of all, was I'd I'd go and help friends of mine in their gardens. Oh
1: nice.
0: <laughs> well we've got a we've we've got a tiny sort of um I live right in the middle of a city. So we've got a really small garden. And I had a couple of friends who were single mums, didn't get much time to be in their garden because mm-hmm. you know you just don't when you're busy doing no. everything else. And their gardens were all overgrown. And I love being outside. Mm. I love being with other people, having a nice long time with them to really have a great chat and I like doing something physical I like clearing a mess out as well it's like clearing the mess out I can see visibly the mess clearing in front of my eyes it's sort of done some it does something in my head it helps Mm -hmm. order things in my head so I I went and helped two whole weekends one with one friend and one with another friend I went and helped them hack their garden about and sort of tied it up and I went and did that I said to my husband I'm gonna. I did. I said I'm gonna go and do this. Is that okay? Because you know, right. I didn't really. I didn't really need to ask permission, but oh. it felt like I'm doing something new, different. Mm-hmm. So, and I went off, and I had a lovely time. And do you know what? The world didn't stop spinning. Nope. <laughs> Nobody thought any the worse of me for doing it. Right. Everyone and was I, still alive when you got home. <laughs> exactly. And I came home feeling so much happier. That in fact it was better for everybody because I was happier, so I was much nicer to be around. Uh, So that got me started in this. Okay, so it's it is okay to do things for me. Nobody's going to tell me I can't do it. Mm -hmm. And as you say, you know, nobody, yeah, everyone's still here. Everybody's okay. So. It was gradually little things like that, and it w- might be a day out with a friend, going for a, a walk out somewhere, or um, I don't know, I can't remember now. But now I do all sorts, and now I'm just like, right, I'm going doing this now. My kids are older, which helps. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it it was tiny little things because I think if you if you start thinking about big things, it 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 makes it into a bigger deal, so it feels sure. like a much bigger step. So take little steps just take an hour in a uh, yeah an hour in a coffee shop with a with a book yeah. perhaps and the don't feel guilty go and do it go and enjoy it
1: yeah it's so funny because that's i think the hard part this my my kids are visiting their father right now and so over the weekend i had a gift certificate to a, a spa and so i <laughs> went to the spa and i had a massage and then sat by the the pool and then i went and got a pedicure And, you know, I it was a lot of work for me to just set my, you know, the the to do list in my own brain aside and to really and I tried with intention to really focus on just allowing myself the space and time I had no people at home. They were safe. They were fine. My daughters yeah. are getting a bit older too. They're 14 and 16. But, you know, it was it was really difficult for me to kind of mm-hmm. allow myself that space and time. But I think to your point, once you do it, if you do it in small and incremental steps and you start to realize, hey, the world really didn't fall apart and everyone is still alive and life continues to go on, then that's almost freedom and permission to continue Right. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. And the more, um, you know, I think it's important to know that when you're doing something different like that, it is going to feel uncomfortable. Yeah, it it really is. So just know that and do it anyway, because (laughs) it, because it, it will be good for you. It will absolutely, you know, be of benefit for you benefit for everybody else, but know it's going to be uncomfortable because it feels uncomfortable. doesn't mean it's wrong.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with that. But I think you know the hard thing too is that we do have family and we do have, you know, people at home and and our responsibilities. And I think one of the things that maybe stops women and keeps them in this place of feeling stuck is that fear of, well, if I do something differently, how is that going to impact my home life? How is that going to impact my relationship? But one of the things that you said was that it actually was better for everyone. So I'm curious, the other piece of what I meant to ask earlier is how does that impact your home life now, now that you've taken the time to heal your trauma and taken the time to find what brings you joy? has that carry into your relationships at home and, and impacted them maybe positively or even negatively, if well, at all?
0: Well, it definitely has had an impact. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not going to lie, there have been moments, there still are moments when it's tricky because... Yeah. You know, everybody here, you know, I've been married for 17 years. My kids are 14 and 16 too, okay, actually. Great. And, um, you know, they, they've they been used to me being a certain way. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, to be honest, it, it suited them. Me being mm-hmm. me being oh, the sure. one who does, does everything, it suits them. So, you know, the, most of the time it's great because I am happier and Everybody else then gets the the better version of me. Mm-hmm. And that is much better. There are still moments where uh the new me can cause waves, perhaps, where it, it wasn't before. But there was a moment where, you know, I I said to my husband, I said, you know, I'm really sorry if this is not suiting you, but I can't go back now. I can't unknow what mm-hmm. I now know. Yeah. So and I knew I was so much happier. I knew I felt so much more. Myself, I felt much more a better version of me. I liked this new me. I loved this new me. Yeah, and I said, I'm not going back. I can't go back. So we're going to have to work out what's going to happen here. And he was just like, Well, I'm in. I'm in it for the ride. Oh, good. I mean, he he could have said something different, sure. uh and we would have had to deal with that.
2: Mm-hmm. But
0: so far, so far, we're still riding those waves as they come as they come along. Um, mm-hmm. but I would not go back, you know, the, I think, I mean, spoiler alert, I did actually get most of the site back. I didn't get it all back, but I got that's amazing. M- most of it back, even though they told me that I wouldn't, but I wouldn't change anything.
1: No. Yeah. I, like I think this that's almost proof, it. right? The eyesight coming back after you've gone through the process of healing the trauma. To me, that is really proof that the trauma does in fact live in our body and physically can impact the way that we live our lives. And this, I think is just a miraculous, uh, you know, story that proves that fact that. Yeah. There was medical,
0: there was medical intervention. I did have to have injections in my eye. Okay. Which are every bit as horrible as they sound. Yeah, I was going (laughs) to
1: say that sounds terrible. (laughs) Yes. Uh,
0: So, you know, I can't say I, it's purely as a result of doing Mm -hmm. that work. But I, I, you know, I I definitely think it's all connected. It feels okay. to me like it's all connected.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I do want to stop and pause, though, too, about the conversations that you're having with your your partner in life. Yeah. And just ask how you navigate those. Because, you know, we've talked a little bit about setting boundaries and, and establishing this new expectation with your family and maybe even with your children. How do you go about doing that? What do you... Do you have like some process or protocol or way of of going about it, or is it just really more a conversation?
0: Well, that would be quite organised, wouldn't it? Yeah. If I if there was like uh, protocols. I have to say there are a no four protocols. step
1: process for setting. Yeah, exactly. Routine.
0: Right. Okay, I'm initiating step one. You all know what that means. I mean, you know, I I'm the only female in this house, and they all think yeah. I am like on a different planet. They really do. Uh, but I think, I mean, a few things have happened, interestingly, since since my sort of transformation. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have to, I've got, one of my children has got very mild, I have to say, but has got cerebral palsy. So mm. there is a certain amount of advocating that I have to do for him. The mm-hmm. other one, um, two years ago, we realized, we found out he's dyslexic, oh, wow. and having got to 12 and it not being mm-hmm. diagnosed. So I've had to be advocating for them. And I have definitely been able to do that much better because Mm -hmm. of who I now am. The me before would have been very much like, oh, I don't want to bother anybody. And oh, and, uh, you know, I would absolutely not have been Mm. the the mother bear that I've been able to be this time round. I am very much with them, you know, they're teenagers. And, you know, I can't imagine your teenagers in the US are that much different to ours. And, you know, I'm very like, okay, you know, I know it's your, your job to be annoyed and it's my job to be annoying, <laughs> but, you know, I, and we're both very good at our jobs. Right, right. <laughs> but you don't speak to me like that or something mm. like that. I'm very, yes, I will put up with things to a certain point, but I am, you know, you don't speak to me like that or yeah. or, or or whatever. And I would not have been able to do that before. I'd have been much, much more worried about them not liking me.
1: Yeah, and you know, and it's
0: not parenting is not a popularity contest, is it? Right. So, and with my husband, he he is on his own journey now.
1: Uh, Interesting.
0: Um, Yeah, um, I really wanted him to do work, Mm -hmm. and he was absolutely not up for it. And the minute not the minute, but I backed off. Was like, right, okay, I I can't make this happen. And he decided he was set himself Mm. off for some counselling because when that with what i had learned i realized that we were both triggering each other's childhood wounds uh, so no wonder we were in a bit of a mess at times so he's gone off and done a lot of his work it's not changing as quickly as i would like it to but then i'm that that's that's just me and i am having to learn it's it's good i'm having to learn to be mm-hmm. patient i'm having to learn to let him have his time but we are now Growing, if that's not too cheesy, you know, together.
2: Mm-hmm. So yeah.
0: It, yeah,
1: it's you know, um, it's okay. <laughs> it's not I easy. Love that he's on his own journey, I think that's mm. so important for all of us to realize is that, especially when you hit this stage and stage in life, that we change so much through the years, mm. and and I do think that there is some sort of um. You know, whether it's a realization and and maybe a wisdom that comes with age that I know that there's got to be something different than this and maybe this courage to make that change and certainly having a a partner that's willing to make those changes on their own accord um sets an example for the other party to to do so as well. So I think that's tremendous that both of you are on this journey together.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, and the kids, the kids know what's going on as well. So they know that we didn't have ideal childhoods, yeah. but you know, we're now working on it. And, um, I think it's much better for us as a family. I think these teenagers yeah. would have been hell otherwise. They really <laughs> would. I'm not saying they're not hell sometimes.
1: Yeah.
0: I also think, you know, you you were saying about something happens hmm. to us women. And I definitely had like it felt like there was this ticker tape going across my, hmm. you know, forehead or inside that kept saying there must be more to life than this. There must be more to yeah. life than this. And I think the beauty one of the g- great things that, that happens to us is the menopause. Because yeah. <laughs> actually the change the, the the change in the hormones allows yeah. us to be you know we're less biddable. That's you know, here there's a late woman who calls estrogen the, the biddable hormone. And when that mm-hmm. starts to reduce, we be we we want something different. Yeah. And I so I think this is a marvelous time in my 50s has been my happiest decade so far. And I think that's because I'm allowing myself to be the, the most me I've ever been. Mm. And I, I do think partly my hormones have changing <laughs> have allowed me to just go sod it.
1: Yeah, exactly. I wholeheartedly agree with that. And I, when you say the ticker tape, I think that that is so true because I it makes me think about this this idea that my podcast partner and I, Trinity, always talk about, and that's this being in misalignment mm-hmm. with who you are and your core values and you do, whether it's like all the stars aligning come to this realization. I think at this place in life, call it the hormones, call it just this, uh, this inability to put up or tolerate with, with this yeah. misalignment anymore. But I do think that the, this is the perfect time in life to really start to step out and and figure out who you are and regain that alignment in, you know, aligning with your core values and and who you are as an individual. I
0: I totally agree. And, you know, I think in the old, you know, not that long ago, not that many generations ago, all we would have to look forward to in our 50s is being a grandma. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and now it's so different. I mean, my kids are still at home, you know, and that wasn't necessarily by choice. It's just the way it happened. Yeah. But you know, my kids are still at home. I'm not looking to be a grandma anytime soon. I've got yeah. a lot of life left in me as well. But I think for me, also hitting fifty was okay. My life is definitely more than half over now. Yeah, I am. I am making this next bit like <laughs> yeah. great. It's going to be so much greater than the bit that's come before. And yeah. and that's what's driven me on.
1: I love that. And so what are you doing now? You started off in law, you had this career. So now that you've had this whole transformation, where has that taken you?
0: Well, it's taken me all over the place. Um, not like uh, geographically, but I went into the law, I think, because it was going to be safe because mm. I didn't feel safe at home. And I needed a job that was uh, would enable me to earn money so I could look after myself and be safe and not rely on anybody. So that was my story up until you know, 47, whatever, when I had my breakdown. I think this is going to sound really cheesy now, but doing all the work that I've done and learning to love myself, mm-hmm. I now feel safe in me. Yeah. You know, I know I've got my back. It's yeah. not that I don't need anybody else and, you know, everybody else can just do one. It's not mm-hmm. about that. It's just about knowing that I've got my back and I'm I'm okay. I'm yeah. pretty grounded and I'm okay. So what I then did is I gave up my legal career. Mm it wasn't a hard wrench. It really wasn't. But also after all the therapy I'd done, I was changed and I was different and I couldn't go back to the way it was. I did hope they'd make a different role for me, but they didn't. I Mm -hmm. was gutted. Um, But you know, that sort of all worked out Mm -hmm. for the good in the end. Um, I went into a bit of a depression after that, but that lifted. And as that was lifting, we went The pandemic arrived and I decided then to take the opportunity to to train as a coach and set up a coaching business because Mm -hmm. I'd always been that person at work always I'd always been the one that people would come to if they wanted to talk something through or they you know oh you always you you've you've had so much happen to you in your life Philippa I'm sure you can help Mm me here (laughs) and it was you know so that's what I decided to do and I did that tentatively because um at the beginning because then i took a year to write a book because i'd oh, wow. always want i'd always wanted to write a book and when i left therapy i said right i'm going to write it all down so i wrote my story down mm. so that took about a year and then i've really been concentrating on my on my coaching business and doing in person workshops and working with groups and working one to one and then I discovered two years ago that I'm highly sensitive. Obviously, I've always been highly sensitive because that's an innate trait. Mm-hmm. It's not something that happens to you. And that's been a massive part. It's made sense of a lot of things that have plagued me, I suppose, over the years, made sense of a lot of things. And I I now largely work with highly sensitive women. And, you know, life is just so different. I now have an yeah. online business. I work online. Um, I love it. I've realized I'm an introvert. Which oh. a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people don't believe that, but actually I am much more of an introvert mm-hmm. than an extrovert. I can, I can do peopling, sure, sure. but I need to come back to myself and be quiet yeah. with just myself to recharge my battery. So I've learned so much about myself now that, um, now that I've given myself permission, I think, yeah. to, to find those things out about me and now I'm not so busy pleasing everybody else.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love this. Uh, Yeah. I love hearing that story that you've completely transformed your life in coming to this healing place. So if you had to share with our listener some bits of wisdom or advice and what you learned along the way, what would you, what would you say are say like the top two or three messages that you'd like to share with our audience? Well, first one is I'd like to say is it's never too late. Yeah, it's absolutely
0: never too late. Doesn't matter whether in your 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, it is never too late to to look at these things that might be keeping you stuck in a a place or just feeling a bit like there must be more than this. That's never too Mm -hmm. late. Really. You know, the greatest gift we can give ourselves is to know ourselves
1: Hmm.
0: and uh, saying that i can't remember where i saw it but you know we are the only person we will be with for the whole of our life yeah it's that's really important we will be with ourselves for the whole of our life so get to know us who are we what makes us tick what do we like what don't we like Mm -hmm. what do we stand for what do we stand against what is important to us what are our values? Mm-hmm. What is our purpose? Dare I say? I know a lot. There's a lot of talk about purpose, and you mm-hmm. can make you can make purpose a big, massive thing if you want. But actually, purpose is I don't know. It's our very core. I think our very mm-hmm. essence of who we are. What do we want? So get to know yourself uh, is what I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not saying that's an easy thing. No. Uh, but it <laughs> but it doesn't have to be hard either. Start little steps. Little mm-hmm. little steps. Yeah, and, I love that. And I suppose finally find a bit of joy every day. Yeah. And that's about being present, being being present with yourself, with, you know, where you are, just so you notice things. So you notice, I don't know, the bird in the tree and you just give it a few seconds of your attention and, and actually look at it. Um, the sun on your face, maybe when the sun's out, a nice cup of coffee, mm. those little moments... Are what bring us joy every day?
1: Oh, it's so important. And I a couple of things are standing out to me. I I find that this idea of being comfortable with yourself and learning to love yourself is so important because you'll be the only person you spend your whole life with. I heard a quote once a long time ago that's wherever you go, there you are. And yes. I can't help but um think about that. You know, when you were moving around so much in your youth and looking for this place called home, that's sort of what was running through my mind, wherever you go, there you are. And so it's so true when you were living in this space of negativity and this old trauma, you know, wherever you go, there you are. And now you're not moving around, you're not changing, uh, you know, the roles, the jobs, you found that, that growth and that change within you. And I think that that is such a, a beautiful message. And then I also like this idea of finding joy every day. And I've started even writing it down. I've got an app on my phone. It's like the five-minute journal or something. And it makes you write down three things that you are grateful for, three things you'll do to make the day great, and three affirmations. And then at the end of the day, you just reflect what went well and what will you do differently the next day. And I find that so powerful because I think when you focus in on those little pieces of gratitude, that it just tends to bubble over into literally everything you do in life. And um, I think what you put out there is what you get in return. Yeah. Although, I mean, they're
0: all interconnected, aren't they? Um, You know, and I don't know. I just feel like we all deserve to live the best, to live the best life as the best version of ourselves that we can. And then maybe, goodness knows, maybe we'll all be a bit happier and a bit nicer and kinder to (laughs) each other. That's like some grandiose sort of thing. But yeah, I, I definitely agree with what you just said.
1: Great, Philippa. Well, it's been a lovely conversation. I feel like the time has just blown by so it quickly. Does. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. It's been such a joy having you on our show today.
0: Oh, great. Well, um, I've loved it. Thank you very, very much for having me.
1: Yes, of course. And if our listener wanted to reach out and find you and gain some more of your wisdom, where, where could she find you? <laughs>
0: Uh, so the best place to find me, where you'll find about everything, um, is safeandsupported.co.uk, and you can find about me, my book, my podcast. I've got a podcast as well where I talk about my journey. Um, yeah, that. But you'll find everything out on my website.
1: Perfect, Philippa. Thank you so much for being here today. We appreciate you. You're very welcome, Shelby. Thank you for
2: having that conversation with Philippa. It was transformational and so eye-opening. I'm going to jump in with the first point that I took away from listening to the two of you. So first, this idea that stress and trauma can remain stuck in your body and it can actually cause physical pain as well as mental pain. We we very easily clue into the mental pain that stress and trauma can cause, but to see physical pain as a result, it's mind-blowing to me
1: mind-blowing. And so we have to do something different and new. And, you know, our second point is when you do something new for the first time, girl is going to be uncomfortable. Yes. But you have to change. You have to start small and just continuously communicate your needs and intentions with your loved ones and friends as likely your new choices about the way you choose to live your life will probably be disrupting their lives too. And guess Mm. what? That's
2: okay. 100%. 100%. Because you have to take your healing from the back burner to the forefront of your life. And our point number three is that it is never too late for you to heal your trauma and to live a life that you love. Again, there is no quick fix. This is what we have learned the hard way. There is no quick fix. Thanks. Quick but quick. taking bold steps and taking action may actually save your sanity. May actually improve your quality of life. May actually save your life. Yes. So it's worth it to start now. And you are mm-hmm. the only person. That's it. There's no. You- there's no
1: knight in, in shining armor. That's gonna no come knight in need, honey. <laughs> it's you. <laughs> it's you, baby. You are the only person that will be with you for the whole of your life. And that means that the greatest gift is to get to know ourselves and what we love and what makes us tick and what is our life purpose. So get out there, girl, and find yourself.
2: That is exactly right. And you know what? We're going to leave you with this last thought. And if you can't commit it to us, that's okay. Commit to yourself to find a bit of joy every day. You can find it in the big things. More commonly, you will find it in the really small things that light you up on the inside. Take the time to look for those things. Find the joy. Lean into it. Leave us a review. Let us know. Let us know about the new areas of joy that are sneaking into your life and giving you sparks and sparkles that will sustain you. We are with you on this journey and we continue every day to look for new places to find joy for ourselves. So we wanna hear about yours because you know, Shelby and I are on here sharing ours openly every single day with all of you. And it's because it's our passion. It's our passion to come here and spend time with you for this hour where we get to explore how to be better, how to enjoy life, how to become free as we all do this thing right here together in the middle. We'll see you next week.